The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 141. Talk about being multi-passionate with Mandy Johnson. Mandy Johnson is a commercial, editorial, and wedding photographer based in Los Angeles, California. She published her first book in the summer of 2020 with Andrews McNeil, Super Serious, an oral history of Los Angeles independent stand-up comedy with four by five portraits from a decade of the Super Serious show. Mandy's diverse portfolio and extensive knowledge in design, art direction, and production bring a broad artistic perspective to her practice. Her unique style mixes fine art, documentary, and editorial with pop color and personality, creating energetic and intimate images. In addition to Mandy's photo work, she is the co-founder and an executive producer at Clef Clips and OK Fine, both comedy-oriented production companies. Her recent work includes Haunt the Johnsons, Arsenio, Introducing, and our ongoing live show, Hot Tub with Kurt and Kirsten. Mandy is here today to talk about all of the many things that make up her multifaceted and uber-creative career, and I cannot wait for you to hear all of her amazing takeaways. So go grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, Renee Dallow, because where else would I be? I named this thing after myself, you guys. <laughs> I am here this week with the lovely and talented Mandy Johnson. Mandy, how the hell are you? I'm okay. How are you? You know, I'm alive. I'm I'm well. I'm uh, having a birthday in a couple of days. So Ooh, like, happy early I birthday. I think I'm, thank you. I also think I'm like, that might be the only time I ever mention it. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, are you a birthday person? I typically am because I'm an only child. And so I normally oh. force people to celebrate me like for a month. But as I get older, I am more inclined to just be like, yeah, it's Wednesday. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've never really been a birthday person. So my husband isn't either. And I, in the 12 years we've been together, I think I've <laughs> like certainly nudged him into like, well, at least let me do something for your birthday. So I think between the, th between the two of us, we're like a moderate birthday person no <laughs> all right well that's good you balance you balance each other yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as partners balancing. should you balance each other sure so. sure sure well the last time you and i saw each other in person was um in october we worked a wedding together and Man. that was that was the wedding that uh the rental company hit my car oh my gosh <laughs> i didn't know that oh you didn't know that yeah during no. loading the rental company smashed into my car everything's wow. fine but it's funny when i think about the wedding we worked together that is i mean it was a beautiful wedding and everyone had a good time and all that's sort of like in the it's a given bucket but in the other bucket i'm like oh yeah that was in my car <laughs> I, rem I remember i was like it's the one where you were laying on the by the pool trying to get that hose out 
Yeah, you have a photo of that somewhere, but yeah, I do. But I didn't. I have a photo of it, but I didn't. <laughs> I didn't edit and send it to you because I was like, you were like, don't take this, and I was like, I kind of want to anyway. <laughs> you, I kind of want you to send funny. it to me just to like keep it in the archives for some okay, sometime send, in the future. I'll send it to you, and if you want to post it and, as part of this podcast, then you can. <laughs> oh my god! Like, yes, yes, yes. A yes. little Easter egg for people. Oh my God, I love it so much. Okay, well, Mandy is not here to talk about my birthday or laying on the floor <laughs> to get hoses out of a pool, although both things are valid. Um, we could for an hour, I we, swear. I mean, yeah, totally we could. But you are here, my friend, because you, to, to me, you are the, the definition of what being a multi-passionate entrepreneur means as someone who is like viewing you and your career, plural. <laughs> thank you that's, that's I gave very it, kind I, I gave it a little z on the end i like um, that i like yeah, that careers mm -hmm. um so did you always intend to have many different things have you always been a person who has many different passions or is this a new sort of phase of your life well i don't i think like when i moved to la to start work in my life i didn't intend to do as much and for as many different facets in the world as I do now. But as my career kind of evolved, I started off as a photo producer out of photo school. And so I learned how to become a producer fairly early on. And then me and my partner, Joel, we started producing comedies together. And through that, I kind of found my way back to shooting photography. So it was already kind of baked in to a degree. Like I was already a comedy producer like for live shows and stuff and so the more i did live shows and the more comedians i worked with i also started shooting you know portraits of them and everything kind of just started to build on each other organically which i always joked early on when i was working in hollywood for a big photo agency and a photo agent as a producer that i was like oh gosh if this is how you become a successful photographer by like schmoozing at like fancy parties in like Hollywood or Beverly Hills, like I'm never gonna make it. <laughs> so I was like, I just no, 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 aggressively no. And so I was always very aware that if I came back to photography, and if it became something I did professionally, it would have to be in a more organic way that felt natural to me, and felt like I still got to be like myself while doing it and not like a schmoozy, like self involved monster. Um, not that all photographers are that, just some are. Um, but well, especially you know. we live in Los Angeles, and yeah. the the archetype of the self obsessed monster it, it exists for a reason. <laughs> there are people here that are really like that. And there are, and I worked for a lot of them early on, and so I was like, oh, maybe all photographers suck. <laughs> um, yeah, and so like then you know just after a few years of producing comedy. I got let go from my day job and my friend was like, Hey, do you want to start shooting weddings with me? I think you'd really like it. And so I shot a few weddings with her and then I just started shooting them on my own. And so then I started building out that side of my photography business in addition to building out portraits and interior design and commercial work and editorial work and that kind of stuff. And then me and my partner, Joel, on the other hand, kept producing live shows, picked up a weekly and then started doing development. So it just kind of all, balanced itself out pretty naturally and i mean thank god joel is part of the other side of the company because i couldn't do it all by myself that would be insane right. let me ask you though about the mindset of this like as you were sort of layering on these new 
um, not only, you know, not only jobs, but also seemingly identities, right? Did you ever have the sense or the, or this, the mindset, right? Of like, well, that isn't hundred percent successful perhaps. So maybe let me do this other thing. Because I think when I talk to other people who are not multi-passionate or multi, you know, successful, they just go like, well, I wouldn't give up on that and then go do something else. And I never see it. And I certainly don't view you this way as like giving up something to go do something else. Like you said, it feels like, like building blocks, right? Yeah. I mean, my dad would always joke, he's a businessman. So he's always like multiple streams of income, you know, like when one's slow, the other is flowing. So you have, you're not solely dependent on like one thing succeeding, which is true in business. It is helpful to have multiple streams of income, but I just viewed it as like, I always, you know, I went to school for photography. I always wanted to do photography. I always wanted to become a photographer. And so when that finally started happening, I was also already a producer. And so right. like, why would I stop doing that? I was, right. I'm, I'm good at it, you know? Yeah, no, like, I, I enjoy I agree. it. So like, I also think that to a very large degree, being a good producer helps you be a better photographer. It definitely helps you run on time, be aware of schedules, mm-hmm. help set days that are realistic, like do all sorts of things, think outside the box, like understand how different levels of whether it be at a wedding or a commercial job, how different levels of people working with you interlace and what they need from you. Even if you're the creative in that instance, it allows you to see like the bigger picture more. So that's something that I've always enjoyed. Yeah. But yeah. I, I've, I never would look at giving up one of them. I don't think that that's how I do right. it. Or like, oh, I'm only doing this other thing because that wasn't as successful as I hoped. I feel like that's a real black and white mindset. And that's a real I frankly, I think it's a real old fashioned mindset, right? Like, yeah, I don't, I don't really subscribe to it. I mean, I think a lot about when I think about like multi-passionate entrepreneurs and even in my own business, like the multiple streams of income we have, you know, when I first started getting into the education space, I was like, well, people are going to think I'm not, I'm not a successful wedding planner. What is that going to feel like? And then I just realized like, you know, Steve Martin, the actor slash playwright slash fine artist slash banjo mm-hmm. player slash Broadway composer. Like <laughs> no one who looks at Steve Martin and goes like, oh, he's writing Broadway musicals because he couldn't, his movie career just went into the toilet. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it just, it got so frustrating. I remember like early on in photo school, they would try to make you pick like you're either yeah. this type of photographer or you're that type of photographer, you know, you shoot this or you shoot that. And they're like, you can't shoot multiple things because nobody will take you seriously. And I mean, that is still unfortunately true in some aspects of commercial world if you're dealing with like maybe art directors and art buyers who are older and maybe have a more narrow view of things. But I just think, I don't know. You don't know me. (laughs) Right. Like, let me show you what I can do. Yeah. Maybe it all makes sense to me and how I work and like my style of stuff. And, And I think my generation and maybe younger generations as a whole comparatively have a have a stronger need to hustle you know like one one thing isn't just gonna cut it for us financially forever yes but what what if someone is being put in a box professionally like what advice would you have for them if they want to do what you do and branch out and do multiple things but they're like well i'm just a wedding photographer and you know i hate that word just but let's just use Mm -hmm. it for this purposes like what would you say to someone who's like no i just can't branch out i mean you just have to try i mean you might suck at whatever it is for a while but (laughs) I mean, you have to, but you have to be willing to give yourself that grace too. Like if you start something new, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be awesome at it right away. But I think that like, if, if I was talking to a, 
you know, a wedding photographer who wanted to branch out into portraiture, I would tell them like, look, like think about your sessions that you do with your bride and grooms. Like those are couple portrait sessions as a, at like the core, you know? And so yeah. just take that and take the rest of the wedding day out of it and think about how you would prompt a model or a person, you know, cause a lot of portrait sessions are just with real people who need photos. They're yeah. not with like professional models all the time. And like, how would you work with them? How does it help you to connect with somebody because you're really good at connecting with your clients and you work with them in a very fast paced environment, you know? And so you have skills that are there. I think people just don't know that you can take those skills and shift them to a different version of your work and your practice and, and find a different way to utilize them. Yeah. I think sometimes we think we have to throw out that skill set and develop an entirely new one, but really it's more like, what can I take with me? Yeah. And you're not like, you're not like creating a new identity. You're just adding on to it. I guess that that's the other thing. Like, I think sometimes people think like, oh, if I have this side of something that I have to be this, or I can't show that I also do this, you know, and yeah. they try to keep it really separate. And maybe that works for some people. But for me, I'm just like, I don't know, I do all this crap. <laughs> well, then people know you, as, <laughs> you know, but then people know you as all those things. And I think, I don't know, I think it's just a different, um, it's a more modern mindset to be like, oh, Mandy's an excellent photographer, an excellent producer. And there's, it's not the yeah, it's not the one one or nothing, right? Like, I don't know. I just think it's a way, way more holistic way to live, too. Yeah, I mean, I just think you have to show all of you bumps, bruises, like growth, all of it, you know, and, and just be aware that, like, if you want to branch out into something, you probably have skills that are already applicable because it already interests you in some degree. So just because you haven't done it yet doesn't mean that you aren't able to, yeah. but it does take doing it to see if you like it too. Like the idea of doing it can feel more fun sometimes than actually doing it. <laughs> well, right. And then like, what if you, like, what if you want to branch out, but then like, you know, your, your job is so consuming. Like say you are a wedding photographer and like, well, you have all these weddings booked, but you really do want to do portraits. Like, how do you, do you have balance in all the things you do or how do you manage that? I manage it a lot with my turnaround times. Mm. So I have built in turnaround times to all of my stuff that aren't immediate so that it gives me time to have space between projects. Um, you know, I, I don't do portraits unless I don't have a wedding on the weekend, you know, on the weekends, they're predominantly during the week. Um, and I work with retouching teams or color correcting teams to like help take my post workload off me. So the other thing is, is that as you grow, which I'm sure, you know, you can't do it all alone. It's like, you don't edit this podcast by yourself, you know, like, Oh, you, have God, to, no. <laughs> you have to like hand off pieces to people that you trust or companies that you trust and, you know, and expect them to do their job. And then if for some reason they don't, then you either work with them to fix it or you find a new company. Like you don't just like give up. Yeah. I think it's important to notice or to not, uh, not notice, but to, to point out, right. That if the thing you're good at is the taking of the portrait, the rest of it can be outsourced. The, the only thing I do for the show, and I've said this so many times on the show, <laughs> the only thing I do for the show is show up on this mic and talk. That's it. I don't even schedule the recording times. Like <laughs> I love, I have a lovely team of people that help me do this, but if they, if they all upped and left, I would just find a new team. Cause there's no way I could do it myself. There's just not enough hours. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's part of like, I'm part of a team of people that helps produce a weekly comedy show 
And those hosts, if we left, they wouldn't just take on all the work themselves. They would right. either stop the show or find new people. You know, it's like you just – you have to collaborate with people that you enjoy working with and then find the people that you trust working with and then build your own little community if you want to grow and branch out and do different things or even if you just want to, like, take on more work in the field that you're already working in, you yeah. know? Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about – how these skills of producing and photography and like, I know you, you said, you mentioned it earlier about how, like, you know, it, you, you're a better photographer because you're a good producer, but how, what other threads can you find between the two that you wouldn't have known until you actively did both of the things? A, a lot of, a lot of it is, you know, planning. Mm. Like, I think there's a lot of planning that goes into photography that makes you a better photographer. Um, I found it a lot with wedding photography specifically that, my skill set as a producer and understanding timelines and understanding like what the coordinator needs and understanding what you know the client needs and like understanding how the pieces of the puzzle fit together helps make it easier and like less stressful environment for my clients and it also helps me keep them on time i also yeah. noticed that like my wedding photography by when you shoot wedding photography you're forced to shoot real people like i think nine <laughs> out of ten couples will say to me, okay, but like for the portraits, I'm not like a model. So I'm really nervous. And I'm like, of course you are. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would yeah. be too. Like, what a horrible idea. You know, like you're going to get for your photos taken and you're not a model and you don't know what to do. Absolutely. We got you. It's fine. But it allows you to continuously work with real people and like have to set them at ease and get good photos very quickly. Right. You don't have like eight hours with them to like move them around a venue and like try to no. get the most amazing photos you know you don't have like hours to set up the perfect lighting and so it it really forces you to like and especially sometimes they haven't booked an engagement shoot and maybe you haven't met before and so you're just meeting them that day and so you have a couple hours before their portraits maybe to like get on their wavelength vibe them out like kind of feel who they are as people just so that you can you know direct them in a way that feels natural to them so I think that that also lends itself to my portrait and editorial and even commercial work. There's tons of people I've shot commercial stuff of who also still hate having their photo being taken, even though they're famous <laughs> and get so nervous. And so yeah. having the ability to like get them relaxed, you know, and have them breathe. And sometimes you only have 15, 20, 30 minutes with them and you have to do like a lot of coverage of different concepts or different things, you know, and so... It's an interesting thing that I have found that I didn't expect that working with real people so consistently would lend itself back to my commercial work. Yeah. I also find that like, because when you shoot weddings, you shoot outside like 90% of it, you know, and yeah. you're using the sun. And again, you don't, you're not in a studio with three assistants and strobes and like the most perfect setting you know you're like oh crap it's really sunny there's no trees at this venue i thought there were trees <laughs> like everywhere yeah. i go it's just like too bright you know and so but you still have to make really beautiful photos for them like you don't just get to be like sorry this yeah, sorry sucks. circumstances weren't <laughs> ideal so i just like biffed it it's but it's fine well, right? it's like, yeah like you saw like no trees gross you know <laughs> Like you, you can't just like, you have you to make it work, that. you know? Yeah. And so, um, it really challenges you to like, think on your toes, think very quickly, you know, think fast about 
locations where to put them like and if some for some reason like there's been times i've shown up and i'm like oh i was gonna shoot there but the dj is now setting up there so oh. that's out you know <laughs> yeah oops and then you're like oh okay switch it over to here you know and so you just it makes you problem solve really quickly and as a producer you spend a lot of time on sets i mean hopefully not a ton of it but like because you've done it beforehand in theory but you also have to be prepared to like solve a problem very quickly on your toes on set Yes. You know, and so I think that and not panic and not feel overwhelmed and not feel stressed out, you know, and just be really calm and solve the issue. And I think that that's led itself into wedding photography, you know, as well as then shooting outside has led itself to my commercial editorial work where I I always like to challenge myself with lighting, but I'm not afraid to shoot outside. Like, I'm not afraid to try new lighting. Like, it's lovely when you get to control every element, but also you don't always have to to have good photos. And I think that you know, sometimes young photographers straight out of school can feel like, oh, well, like, you know, I only know how to shoot in studio or something, you know, and, they, yeah. and then it, you do that for long enough, you feel like limited to a degree, right? Like it's harder for mm -hmm. you to like improvise outside. Well, you get stuck in your ways, right? Yeah. Or just, it just feels scary. Like it feels like you might but, screw up. Paralyzing. You know? Yeah, for sure. Right. Okay. So talk to me about publishing the book, because that also seems like a departure from the rest. Although although not because it was photography, but like, what was the process of that like? And how did that either, you know, uh, feel feel the same or feel like a different skill set for you? So the book came out of um, the comedy show, the yearly that I produced with my partner, Joel, called The Super Serious Show. And it at that show, I took two four by five Polaroids of every comic who had done the show every single time they did it. And then I would scan them and retouch them and we would put them out in the world. So we took all those photos together, which is a very large collection of like, I don't know, over over a thousand plus photos total and kind of edited it down to a, I think a little under 300 photos total for the book. So that kind of came out naturally. Like everyone kept saying like, oh, you should do a book of these photos. And, and it was really hard to find a book agent. And it was difficult for me to figure out how to do that with very little help. You know, like it wasn't like somebody was like, here's a book agent, hand delivered to your door. Right. You had to hustle for it. <laughs> I just spent like years like asking everyone, like, do you know a book agent? Like, do you know a book agent? Like, do you know a book agent who does photo books? Like, apparently it's like only a few people do that, you know? You know, so then I finally found a book agent and she was like, great. Well, what else do you want in it besides the photos? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't, photos? <laughs> she like, was like, the whole idea is photos. I was get, like, is get, that get not, on, get on it. Yeah. Is that not enough? And she was like, why don't you think about it and come back to me? And, <laughs> So I did, and I thought, well, the photos are beautiful, and I love them, but it's a little bit boring after a while to have to try to trick somebody to publish, you know, hundreds of pages of just your photos. <laughs> and so, even though they are so fantastic, um, so then I then I pulled like my thought process, and I was like, well, super serious show is going to come out right around the ten year, you know, mark, and it's been an interesting like time and in independent comedy in Los Angeles and like what independent comedy means to people and how that helps young comedians and old comedians alike like find ground to try out stuff like find room to grow and like just foster a community that's really specific to that art form and so I decided to just do a bunch of interviews and do more of like an oral history around a few like flagpole topics and like talking points and that's kind of how that came about and then it was really assembled and like, I think I got the green light for it in like April of 2019 and it, I turned it in by like January of 2020. So it was oh, very, right, right it was, before the world. Involved. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I think I did the final proof of the, of the, like the images in New Orleans 
and that was my last time I got on a plane. Oh my gosh. So you launched a book during the pandemic. How did that go? <laughs> oh, it was, um, I had a whole plan about like doing live shows and like, oh, sure. I'm sure. You know, yeah. like having really fun shows in New York and LA and like a big 10 year party with like the book and none of that happened. And I just did a bunch of podcasts. So that was horrifying to me at the beginning. <laughs> I was truly like horrified that I was going to have to talk to people about it because it's just not a lot of who I am or at least not a lot of who I thought I was. And then I did it with a bunch of friends at, at the beginning, you know, people I knew, people I felt really comfortable with. And then it became a lot easier just to do it with somebody I didn't know as well or a total stranger and still have a good time. And it was a bummer to yeah. launch your first book in a pandemic, but you know. Do you want to do another one? Will you have another book tour someday, do you think? I mean, I'm sure I will. I had a whole idea that revolved around tourism that oh. I can't quite do right now because right. I don't want to go to the places that it would require me to go to. <laughs> um, not at the at this moment. Not at the moment, um, yeah. Not, not at the moment. I also have, I've shot like little snippets of an idea over the years at weddings about like leftovers and left behinds. Because I think oh. weddings are really interesting in this way where like there's all of this stuff you do. It's beautiful and gorgeous. And then it is all and maybe it comes from like my live event brain too. But then it's all like the magic's all done at a certain point. Oh, yeah. You know, or like as the guests move from space to space sometimes, it's like it's just like a almost like an eerie like abandonment of one space for another oh no i think about this it's so funny that you're saying this i think about this all the time it's like that it's like some you know that I, it's like i have this image of like i don't know it was a video game or something but it's like as soon as you leave the space it like crumbles to dust behind you oh yeah yeah i don't i don't know yeah that's kind of a similar idea yeah yeah where i'm just like i think about it all the time because you know my background is professional theater and so i was on tour for a lot of years and my early tours were all children's theater so you would like get to the theater set up the set up the stage do the show tear down the show move on and we would like create a world act in it and then tear it down in like 10 hours and we did it every day and i think oh that's God, very that's much so exhausting <laughs> it's i mean i was like 22 but yeah yeah now i'd be like no fuck it, i'm not doing that but um when i was 22 i was like i'm a real actor i that is what we do for weddings in in its core you know we set up a world we celebrate it and then we tear it down yeah, and you're like, leave before the magic ends, you know? Like, at the end oh, of the yeah. night, we have to take it all down. You're like, don't watch this. It's We're literally <laughs> killing the magic of it. Yeah, that's I why just, I, every yeah. time I pull candles off table, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Taking the ambiance away one one bit at a time. Yeah, when we used to set up Super Serious Show in weird venues at the very beginning, it would we would, like, hang string lights and hang all the stuff to make it, like, a pretty, like, party for the night. And then... We would have like, you know, we'd be on a time limit as you are in venues. And so lots of times people would keep hanging out because they could and like chatting with us. And I and I would always just scream like as I was setting up the ladder, like, leave before the magic ends. <laughs> Don't remember us this way. Go, yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look at me anymore. <laughs> I'm not really here. Don't acknowledge me. I think yeah. I actually think that a lot as a wedding planner. Like, I'm not really here. You, you can't really see me. Like, I'm a little wedding fairy that's yeah, why I'm, like, I'm, I'm in I'm black imaginary. i'm in the shadows you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay so you've written a book you've podcasted you've done tv you've obviously done so much media uh you know print film what is is there any medium that you're like well shit i haven't done that yet i want to do that now i mean i'd love to do like a scripted television show mm. you know um mm -hmm. 
you know, we've done some unscripted stuff because that's, you know, we have lots of fun ideas for that. I'd love to do more like we did a scripted audio show that was a lot of fun. So I'd love to do more things like that. I'd love to shoot more like ad campaigns. I've done a lot of like uh, ad campaigns for entertainment, but just more straight up ad campaigns I think would be Mm -hmm. fun Um, just because it's a different creative field to like challenge yourself in. I don't know, just just more maybe. I just like it all. I just want more of it. <laughs> what's your What's your sign? I'm a Leo. I was gonna. I, I'm a Gemini, so I very much feel that like that. Um, more like more is my like. If I would get a tattoo, it would probably just say more. Like more, more of everything. I want more different, new. The next thing always. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I really I enjoy. I was trying to explain this to my friend who has a day job. I was like, I really much enjoy working for myself and, but you work really hard. You work all the time, you know, setting boundaries is hard. Um, setting time off, like making sure you do things for yourself. It can be challenging in certain times and spaces within that world. Yeah. But also like, you know, the more successful you are at working for yourself, then you can say no to things that maybe you don't really want to do, but you take yep. because they pay you well. And so I think, I think that that's probably what I would redefine, especially coming back from COVID, right? So you just, a lot of us, I'm sure, you know, many people can relate to this, just said yes to everything because you're just like, yes, I need money. I need money. I need money. You know, Mm -hmm. none of us worked for such a long time, but I look forward to saying no a lot in the future, if that makes sense. There There is like a, there is a part of being successful that feels nice when you can say, no, I don't have to do that job that doesn't quite pay what I want or won't end up in my portfolio, but will pay me good money, but it will be a waste of my time mm-hmm. and I won't really enjoy it. And so that, that'll be, I think that'll be next on my list is just being able to say no to stuff and having more things that I like doing. I'm hundred percent with you. I think about it every time I get an inquiry for a wedding, I think, is this something that that is a hell yes. <laughs> right. And sometimes it's the couple that makes it a hell yes. Like yeah. the wedding we did together, it was like, oh, I loved them deeply. Like, yes, let's do this. I, you're my people. Um, sometimes sometimes it's some other element of of the gig. But at this point, you know, I'm I'm 10 years in now. It's gotta be a hell yes. Otherwise, I, I just don't have the energy. I don't have the attention span for it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think I get I think I get pretty lucky that like for the most part, the couples who find me, if they land on my page and they reach out to me nine times out of 10, they're my people. Like there's somebody who's like, look, I really don't jive with all the wedding stuff (laughs) and I just want to throw a big party and I don't want someone who's going to make me do all of those I'm not obnoxious things that a wedding photographer might make me do. And you seem like that person. <laughs> like sometimes like coordinators will email me and they'll be like, well, they didn't want like a wedding person, wedding person. So I thought of you. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, it's great. I think oftentimes I'm hired by those couples because they know I'll tell them if there's absolutely something that they have to be considering. Like mm-hmm. I'm always the one going like, okay, but have you talked to your parents about that? <laughs> like, you know, I'm just like that tiny the tiny voice going like i'm here for whatever you want let's just communicate like i'm the one pushing hopefully hopefully always pushing like let's talk about it let's talk about it some more let's talk about it <laughs> <laughs> i like to think i'm everyone's like slightly nudgy older sister just being like yeah hey, have you to mom you know have that, you talked that, to mom about that's it that's a good that's a good descriptor for you i think <laughs> like just in general i can see that yeah, like you're I'm not just... a, you're not an older sister but i could buy it 
yeah like i'm absolutely no one's older sister but professionally i'm uh mm -hmm. i don't think i'm quite old enough to be anyone's mom yet but i am a professional like kind of nudgy kind of, like borderline like okay i, I hear you <laughs> yeah. you should lead that with your bio like professional big sister <laughs> will hold you accountable will make you call your mother yeah but then we'll but then we'll both then we'll laugh about it yeah yeah, yeah. but then we'll laugh about it what would you <laughs> for anyone listening mandy who is an aspiring multi-passionate entrepreneur and they're having that that mindset we talked about about like well people will think that i'm a failure at this if i pursue this now what what would be your advice for them uh, i know this is gonna sound like a thing that everyone's gonna roll their eyes at and i know that it's so much harder to do than saying it but to some degree you have to just not care what people think yeah like you have to just try it and look you might maybe you try it for a while and you don't tell a lot of people and mm -hmm. you just feel it out like you don't just because you're trying to add something to your repertoire or like your brand your practice however you kind of feel and describe whatever it is you're doing doesn't mean that you have to like shout it from the hills it can just be something that you do and that a handful of people know about and maybe people will figure out eventually I didn't start calling myself a photographer professionally for years into shooting just because I was like, I don't know, is that what makes you become one of those ugly monsters in LA? Is that if you're like, I'm a photographer, you know, I was like, ugh, maybe I just, I just, I just, so forever I was just like, oh yeah, I'd like take photos. Yeah. Um, you know, and so like, you don't have to like brand yourself with whatever you're trying to pursue, but also like allow yourself space for failure. Like, and it doesn't even have to be like failure in the classic terms, but lots of times you'll try something and you'll be like, okay, well, that wasn't exactly what I wanted. And I learned a lot. And next time I would do it differently. And that's not a failure. If you're able to like, look at a process and be like, okay, there were parts of this I liked, there are parts of this I didn't like, and then there were parts I would do very differently. And then that would make maybe the parts that I didn't like so much better, you know? Yes. And so that's the only way that like you're gonna be able to do it, but also like you just can't let what other people want you to be or want to define you to be to like shape who you become. It's your life and as cheesy and corny as that sounds, like you just have to do what makes you you. That's wise. You're right. You're right. And the thing too, I think the thing we we maybe have to be reminded of is like what is what you said. It's like just because you're starting a new little side project, hobby, hustle doesn't mean you have to post it on your Instagram and make a whole career out of it yet. You can just start quietly. Yeah. I mean, there's been things I've started or wanted to do with friends that just like haven't panned out because we've both gotten too busy or like neither one of us had the time to dedicate to it that I think are still great ideas that will probably never come to fruition. But I'm not like mad that I like set up accounts for them and like had conversations with people and tried. I mean, you still like learn things from that. You still like grow as a person, you still meet new people and you never know where one thing is gonna take you. I think that that's the other thing I learned kind of, if I think if you told me when I left school that this is what my career would look like, I just wouldn't have understood how I got here. And I think <laughs> that sometimes like I've never had a five-year plan or a 10-year plan you know <laughs> but i think that and i get that why those are helpful for people and stuff like logically speaking but that's just not me but i think 
a lot of what I did was just kind of move to a certain degree in the way that I was pushed in my life. And so if you just say yes to things and allow that to open doors, instead of being like, that doesn't exactly fit my perfect (laughs) ideal of what my life is going to become. Yes. You're limiting yourself. You never know where a meeting, a conversation, um, a job, a connection, you never know where something is going to go to, you know? And so I think that why limit yourself? I mean, maybe it'll be pointless, but maybe it'll be awesome. Well, there it is. Maybe it'll be pointless, but maybe it'll be most likely it's going to be awesome in some way. Yeah, like or if, if, because, because it will teach you something, and you'll get at least the learning will be awesome. You yeah, know? I mean, maybe yeah. not right at first. Sometimes the learning can like feel awesome, like you. <laughs> right. I mean, I've had those experiences where like the learning was like really hard to swallow at first, but like years oh, totally. later, I was like, oh, I'm so happy I did that. <laughs> Listen, some of my biggest failures, uh, being fired from a job, being uh, firing someone from a job, you know, just having something spectacularly fall apart, right? Like. All of those have always taught me more about myself, like who I currently am, but more importantly, like who I need to be in the future, like how I can improve myself, not make sure that doesn't happen again, because I don't know that we have that ultimate ultimate control, but at least how I can do my 50% in that, you know, moving forward, being better, improving. Totally. And like, I also don't think that you can really even understand to some degree, like, well, I mean, there's always that, that age old saying, right, of like, if you're not failing, you're not trying. That's right. But, you know, I think that a lot of times you just don't know how far you can push yourself until you fail at something. And maybe you were like, oh, I can only run whatever, 100 meters. But then you try to run 300 and you only make it to 250. But like you would have never thought if you just kept running the 100 that you could have gone further. You that's know, right. and so sometimes you just have to try. And sometimes it's messy and that's okay. Yeah. I have over the years learned to embrace the mess. Yeah. I mean, everyone's look, everyone's messy. Everyone's stuff is messy. If someone's Especially telling you their life is per- <laughs> if someone's telling you their life is perfect, uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, run screaming from that person. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Red flags, red flags, red flags. Um, well, Mandy, one of the reasons I wanted, I mean, just because I think you're delightful, but one of the other reasons I wanted to talk to you right now is in this period of time is that I think so many people uh, creatives, wedding pros, you know, people who listen to the show, especially are looking, uh, looking around and saying like, am I happy? Am I fulfilled? Is this all a hell yes? Right. Is there something else I could, should want to do with my one wild and precious life? And I think you're such a shining, amazing example of just going for it. Right. Just trying. And, uh, I just thank you for your honesty and your time. Oh, it's all so nice. Thank you. Mandy, where can people find you on the world wide web? Uh, my social is Mandy Photo Everywhere, but that's Mandy with two E's, P-H-O-T-O. Um, and then you can find me if you're in Los Angeles, you can find me weekly at the Virgil for Hot Tub with Kurt and Kristen. You can also find our scripted audio show Haunt the Johnsons on Audible. And then we just did a huge project with uh, Netflix and Arsenio Hall, which you can find on YouTube. <gasps> We're going to link to all those things. And we'll also link to the book so you can go check that out as well. Friends. You know what I'm going to say? I say a version of this every week, and it's, it's the thing I want you to know more fervently than anything else, is that I thank you so much for spending your time with us this week, because I know your time is the one thing you cannot make any more of, and I really, really, really value that you spend it with us. So we will see you next week, same time, same place. Until then, go think about what else you want to be multi-passionate about. We will see you next week. Bye for now, friends. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.